This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Everyone, how in the world do we even know if our podcast is a success? Well, I can tell you this if you only do five episodes, or seven episodes, or nine episodes, it will not be a success. I don't care how much money you throw after it, unless you maybe the New York Times and you got one of those awesome crime serial podcast that's maybe an outlier but most everybody else you got to keep going you have to i'm at over 500 episodes now of the business storytelling show it's distributed on all the different platforms including db television dbtv.tv so check that out um so i would like to think it's a success but how do we really know so I asked Trent Anderson to come back on the show. He is heading up um, RevOps at Podchaser. And if you are not on Podchaser, check it out. I don't know if you have to be on there, but you need to, you can set it up. And it's really fantastic because you can set up your profile. You can say, I'm a guest on this show. And you can link all these shows together. If you produce a show, you can link that as well. Even if you only do the first 20 episodes, for example, which I did with, um, the tech talk, what was it? The tech talk show for accountants. So I produced the first 20 episodes roughly, and then they kept going without my production skills. Um, so let's get him on the show here, Trent Anderson. Let's find out um, how do we know whether or not our podcast is a success? Welcome back, Trent. Give me a fist bump here, my man. That's how we do it. <laughs> Great um, to see you again, Krista. Always appreciate you making uh, time. Follow Trent on LinkedIn. He always has lots to say. Uh, so it's a lot of times um, click worthy um, to read the rest of the post. So Trent, tell me about the new role, newish role at uh, Podchaser. And, um, you know, how do we know if we're a success or not? Yeah, well, I think most people look at success for their podcast, especially a branded podcast, and they get really hung up on the number of downloads that they get. They see maybe their their peers, their cohort, their friends on LinkedIn posting their beautiful screenshots of graphs that point up and to the right, which would indicate that there's quite a bit of, mm-hmm. of growth for them. And I think that's, that's interesting. Uh, however, podcast growth, especially if you've got a niche market or you're talking about a very finite amount of content topics, Growth is not really the North Star metric you should be looking at. Instead, you should be looking at the listenership as well as the listener experience. And we can unpack that in a couple of different ways that I've seen uh, mm-hmm. most most of these branded podcasts be more successful than the ones that are purely obsessed with their download number. Well, being obsessed with any kind of number, first of all, the download number, and I, I'm glad you mentioned it like this. We had Heather Osgood on the show way back when, and yeah. I asked her, I said, Heather, uh, what, what the heck is the difference between a download and a listen? And she said, there's no difference. And, you know, 
certainly I never download any shows. I listen and I know we're using that interchangeably, but I like to just kind of point that out because some people do indeed get hung up on the um, splitting, splitting the splitting the the hairs, I guess, so to speak. Now, when we talk, but numbers do matter, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I want to have people listening, but what the right number is um, kind of depends, you know. And and I mean, I mean, if I'm doing a podcast, let's say in an industry, I mean, I'm thinking of the old. Oh, no, I don't remember the name. Ben Smith started a website for a very niche uh, vertical, right? 50,000 people maybe worldwide. Um, I'm not going to get 2 million downloads. Right. So, so how do I know? So go ahead. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to break down podcast success into two different camps. One will be qualitative and the other will be quantitative. Now, as I've kind of done in this prelude here, most people are obsessed with the quant side, what's measurable, because everyone's been told you can't improve something that you can't measure. And I'm here to tell you that might be actually false information, um, or at least there's a better way to think about it. So from a quantitative perspective, yes, you don't want to have zero listeners. Of course, you don't want to have five listeners, which would include maybe your your aunt and your uncle and your, your cousin or whoever. Um, but there's not all listeners are, are, are created equal in terms of just the pure number. Instead of looking at that, uh, I'm going to blend the qualitative and the quantitative side. And what you should really be aiming to do, especially if you're launching a show, is seeing who shows up for the first episode and who, who comes back for the second episode. And if you can measure that, that delta of episode one, to episode two, and get repeat uh, listeners, that's a great first step, even if it's just one, truth, truthfully, because at least you have talked about something, you've struck a chord with that one individual to get them to drop everything else that they're doing to listen to you and your subject matter expertise again. Now, if you can get them to come back for episode three, episode 10, episode 300, of course, then you've not just created a listener. You've created someone that's part of your audience, which is part of your community, which if you get it to 300 episodes and they're still with you by then, they probably are part of your tribe. And I think that's the the big picture in, in looking at podcasts is you're taking a, a cold audience or a cold group of people that don't know who you are, what you do, what kind of value you provide. You need to convert them from strangers into an audience, an audience into a member of your community. And from community, the, the best part of that is getting them to eventually become part of your tribe. And instead of like t just spewing some of these words out, I want to get really tactical with someone who's mm -hmm. doing this really well. Uh, you've probably seen him on LinkedIn. His name is Chris Walker. He's the CEO of Refine Labs. I was on the first Demand Gen Live uh, with him and Gaetano Denardi back in whatever that was, March of 2020. And I think there were 19 of us on the first DGL, which happened at like 6.30 on a Tuesday. Um, I was lucky at that point. My son uh, was only about six months old. So he was already well, well in bed by that time. And we showed up and it was really nice to have uh, marketing guidance and marketing thought leadership in a very intimate setting, again, 19 of us and getting like really tactical advice from people that were like leading their industries at the time. And what ended up happening is a lot of us showed up for the next episode and then the fifth episode and the 10th episode. And because like we kept showing up for these D DGL demand gen lives, 
we got to know each other really well too. So we went from complete unknowns to part of an audience to part of a community. And actually I've done business with, I've uh, exchanged leads with, I've helped uh, and I've received a lot of help from a lot of the people that appeared on that first episode of Demand Gen Live. And now when you fast forward, whatever it's been two and a half years to where Chris is at in his business and Refine Labs went from basically him to now 125 person agency. And he just posted today, 40% of his agency, 47% of his agency's revenue is attributable to podcasts. So again, to, to get out of the, the word soup or the word salad, if you show up consistently, and again, this is to your point as well, Christoph, you show up consistently uh, and you get repeat uh, listeners, that all of a sudden turns into a whole nother uh, revenue driver. And that's, uh, I think, the tribe building aspect. Uh, and that is something that definitely falls into the qualitative camp, not the quantitative camp. What's interesting about that comment, too, about the, the Refine Labs podcast, I'm pretty sure they're the show uh, that actually publicly said, you know, we publish like three times a week. Um, and we've done that for however many months. Um, maybe it was close to two years, roughly. Yeah. Uh, but but my point, the reason I'm bringing that up is because it didn't just happen overnight, right? Content is a very it's it's a long game. Uh, it can happen quick quicker if you do it correctly and if you do it in a way that's relevant. And certainly um, that is what they've done. What I find interesting too is you mentioned, and, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but um, they attribute were. Um, um, revenue right to their podcast but it's really really hard to to measure from a podcast i know some podcasters they give you a code to text or they give you a link in the show notes no offense my friends yes i want my book link in the show notes but i do not go to show notes i'm not here to read i'm here to listen i'm here to watch you know so yeah, it's nice to be there, but I'm not going to go click uh, anything. I might Google it later. So how do they know? Are they just asking people or how do they know uh, they listen to the show? Yeah, great question. And I think this is the next extension of the, the qualitative side of measuring your podcast success. And that's the installation of self-reported attribution. Uh, if, if you're in marketing, you've probably gone through the ringer of the Marketos, the HubSpots of the world, where you're very accustomed to seeing we put in X dollars, we got Y revenue per this report that was generated from a marketing attribution software, whether it's Google Analytics or Google AdWords or, uh, again, Marketo or HubSpot. Well, guess what? None of those have a spot for attribution from podcasts. And why is that? Well, podcasting, generally speaking, is a very fragmented industry. You've got four key players in Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and Amazon. And then you've probably got three dozen additional smaller players, um, your cast boxes, your hosting providers, et cetera. So there's not one central place. It's not like you can API in necessarily uh, into a, 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 from a marketing automation platform into a, a podcast hosting provider or a podcast player app. Spotify is not going to let you do that. Apple definitely is not going to let you do that. So as a result, it never got prioritized on the roadmap for any of these attribution softwares. So if you can't directly measure it in an automated way, how do you actually measure the podcast success? And again, this is where the self-reported attribution comes in. Self-reported attribution is an open text field that's required on a contact form and not just any contact form, but like your high intent contact forms. Um, mm -hmm. So this will be like a pricing page or a demo request. 
and you say, how did you hear about us? And because it's required and open text, they're not going to be able to click down and select from a menu, which is typically biased because people either click the first one, the last one, or something in the middle, which just totally throws off your, your uh, actual reporting. But if you make them actually type it in and people say, I hear this all the time from, from podcasts and, and marketers, well, people never are going to type in everything. That, I actually think that's the counterpoint. I've, I have instances in our HubSpot where I've had this custom field filled out and it says, I heard you on episode 247 of, of Outbound Mastery with Morgan Williams. Like I literally see that. It takes probably five minutes of customization within the Salesforce or HubSpot instance to create almost like a word cloud, if you will, of predetermined uh, keywords that come from that self-reported uh, attribution side. And you can really start to um, see how that bucket of attribution compares to your Google ads, your uh, Google analytics, your Facebook ads, whatever it else might be. So self-reported attribution, again, open field required text field on your high intent uh, contact forms is a great way to actually see what the success of a podcast is. And a quick caveat too with this. Uh, it's not like you just turn this on one day and all of a sudden people uh, start filling this out and you have direct feedback day two of, of you making this change. Even Chris Walker, the mighty, mighty Chris Walker will say that uh, when they ask uh, folks who come inbound, uh, how they hear about them and to confirm these, the self-reported attribution, a lot of them say, I've been listening to your podcast for six months. I remember I first heard your episode 58 with Gaetano when you talked about what dark social was and it finally clicked for me. And now you're on episode 252, right? So this isn't an overnight thing. This is a uh, long-term play, which is potentially the the origin of all of this conversation should go back to podcasting is not a get rich quick uh, build pipeline tomorrow type of uh, engagement. It really is about long, uh, the long game. So, yeah, absolutely. And you know what's interesting too is, I mean, the people that remember some of those details. I would never. I barely remember my own podcast episode numbers. So I'm not going to say, "Hey, uh, I heard you on episode 222 on Jody Kringle's podcast." But I definitely will say, um, "I heard you on Jody's podcast," and that's why I'm here. That's why I'm talking to you. Um, so that's certainly a, a long play now, but you have to have something interesting to say, right? I mean, nobody will say that if my show is filled with marketing gobbledygook, chest beating, blah, 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 you know, world leading industry leader, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. how do we, uh, are branded podcasts struggling with that or are people figuring that out? How to, how to be relevant? I, I think everyone is struggling that with that in podcasting generally. Um, and mm -hmm. the way I like to break this down is the most successful podcasts and the most successful podcasters have a point of view. And a point of view is different than declaring a channel dead. You see a lot of that on LinkedIn. Well, email is dead. Social is dead. Uh, cold outbound is dead. And that seems like you're, you're creating a line in the sand that says that I'm in this camp and you're in that camp and people who follow my camp should follow my content or listen to my podcast or what have you. Creating a point of view is a, is actually a pretty long process and it takes a, quite a bit of uh, introspection as well as understanding the market. 
um, understanding the cultural zeitgeist around what it is you do and who you serve and how you help. Um, I think what's really unique about crafting a point of view is if it's your point of view, like truly to its core, it's because of your lived experiences with the problems that you're helping others solve. So it's almost irrefutable in a lot of ways. Um, but just telling people what's wrong is not a point of view either. You have to have mm -hmm. a solution to what you perceive to be wrong. So again, I'll just use Chris as an example because it's an easy one to do. Chris's big point of view is marketing is stuck because of its over-reliance on attribution systems. And if, if you're a marketer, if you're a salesperson, you could probably empathize with that a little bit, right? Almost all of your reporting is going to come back to uh, paid search or direct traffic um, or, or organic search that has a missing SSL. So you can't see the actual keywords that were used to, to complete a query or what have you. So that's all based on the last, call it 15 years of marketing technology vendors pushing attribution software through channels like Gartner and Forrester and, and all the like to say that you have to have an attribution tool in order for you to effectively measure uh, your, your marketing efforts. And Chris's point of view on this is that's completely wrong. There is the self-reported attribution, which I just unpacked a little bit before, but even better, there's using the attribution systems as well as self-reported attribution to basically remove uh, outliers from your data set, right? So who, who are you going to listen to more, an automated piece of software or what your customers actually tell you? And again, that's his point of view. You're almost always going to listen to your customers. So in any case, POV has to be crafted over time through experience and has to be rigorously tested um, from a solution perspective. And that's something that I always challenge, especially um, branded podcasts to do, is it's one thing to use a podcast to try to get your your target buyer on as a guest on your show so they can reveal all of their secrets to you and you have a much easier path to getting them to close. However, that's very uh, poor intent, in my opinion. Um, podcasts are, are not to do that. If you're going to use the information that your guest shares with you, uh, that's one thing, but it, using it as a means to biz dev your way into organization, I don't like. Um, so any in any case, the POV, uh, by bringing guests onto your show, you can have a pretty healthy debate about the, your point of view versus their point of view. And usually that actually leads to a lot of uh, productive and, uh, and, and creative conversations around how to get something done, uh, whatever the subject matter is you're talking about. What's interesting about bringing your um, um, potential buyer on the show, I think that's actually a good strategy within reason when you do it sometimes when they have something good to say, because you're not going to build a show if you just bring on all your, your prospects so you can hear what they have to say and then use it because you, it's just an interview like about what you need, not what the audience needs. So keep that in mind as well. The other editorial comment I want to make uh, briefly is on point of view. I certainly have a point of view on all kinds of different things, but my point of view circles around something in content strategy. And here's what I mean is... I am interested in what is the latest thing I can use to get my content to perform. Now it's live streaming. Podcasting is part of that. That didn't used to be part of it eight years ago, right? But it certainly is today. 
But how about the people that have a point of view, whatever is currently the hot topic? I'll give you an example. So somebody, you know, all of a sudden they're the content marketing expert or, or whatever, something in content, live video. Let's pick on that. They're the live video expert. Then all of a sudden NFTs take off. And now they're the NFT expert, right? And now AI takes off. And now they're the AI expert. How in the world can you have an expert point of view on totally unrelated things? <laughs> I don't think you can. And I think that's why you see a lot of pod fade actually exist, right? People want okay, to try yep. to capture momentum or, or ride the cresting wave of Google search trends or whatever people are talking about on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever it might be. And that's what's interesting about having a, a point of view. You can probably apply a point of view to all of these new and emerging things. However, just embracing the, the latest and the greatest is not in and of itself uh, a point of view. Um, that, I could go really deep on that. Uh, I think I, we'll kind of let the point rest that if you're clout chasing, again, based on the latest and greatest, um, you have to time things really well on the front end as well as on the back end. You got to know when to jump off the surfboard before the shark bites you. And I think, unfortunately, that's what we see a lot of people do is they just try to rotate through topics that they think are going to get them listenership um, right off the bat. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, too, because I think a lot of topics um, fit into business storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. NFTs, I don't think so today. Uh, but a lot of other things, metaverse, absolutely, right? What do we have to know about the metaverse to, um, you know, to tell better business stories? Now, talking about business stories, I know Podchaser is basically a, a podcasting platform. But the one thing, since we now have the, the head of uh, RevOps on the show, what's the actual business model? How does Podchaser make money? Yeah, so we make money through licensing our data to agencies, to brands, to media networks, um, again, because of the fragmented nature of the podcasting industry. We already talked about the big four and the three dozen mm -hmm. others that exist. Um, what we do is aggregate all of that data into one place to give a much more directionally accurate view of the entire podcasting landscape. Now, who cares a lot about that? Well, if you are an agency and you've seen the dip in efficacy of paid ads uh, as, as a result of iOS 14 and a half updates, et cetera. Now you're scratching your head and saying, okay, well, how am I going to get my clients in front of my, their target audience? Podcasts are uniquely positioned to do that because as you know, Christoph, we're, it's a very intimate format. So we have mm -hmm. a lot of agencies using Podchaser Pro to find guest opportunities on behalf of their clients. Another way to look at this as well is, again, because of the aggregation of all the data, um, what shows are trending and what shows are up and coming. So brands, agencies, et cetera, can find the next Joe Rogan show before it becomes the next Joe Rogan, right? I mean, how great would it be to, to know if whatever it was 12 years ago, you had the foresight to say, you know, I think this Rogan guy is going to take off and you're able to get in at the ground level and, and the sponsorship format. Um, of course, everybody would jump at that opportunity, uh, politics not, notwithstanding. But in any case, that's another really interesting thing that, that we aggregate as well. And that's all delivered through our Podchaser 25, uh, which we produce on a monthly basis that shows the, the most up and coming and emergent shows uh, across the entire podcasting uh, ecosystem. And then most, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. 
I was just going to say most recently, uh, the biggest product update we've done in a while is actually adding brand sponsor data, which is a really interesting way for podcasters, networks, as well as brands and agencies to know who's spending on which podcast, what types of uh, advertisers are advertising on different types of categories and formats. Um, and that's opened up an entire new layer of both qualitative and quantitative insights um, that is typically... It has to be done platform by platform. And again, it's all aggregated all within uh, within our four virtual wall of the pod chaser. It's always about the data. And I'm certainly a big fan of, and, and you, you're kind of even mapping the relationships, right? A little bit because you have people going in there like I do all the time. If I'm a guest on a show, I go in there and I tag myself in the show if it's not automated. Sometimes it seems to work. It's automated or maybe it's not. I don't know. But um, but my point is, you can see who knows who, who's talking to who, who are the experts, who are being asked to come on different shows, and that sort of thing. So I think that's super um, interesting. Now, I know we only have about a minute left here, but um, I meant to circle back to this earlier, but listener experience, what makes a good listener or viewer experience, in your opinion? I think it's hitting the highlights right up front. And I'll call out one show that I think does this really well. It's called 30 Minutes to President's Club. And it's hosted by Armand Farouk and Nick Segelski. And they're sales guys, enterprise sales guys. And they created a podcast on an entire media company around their expertise in selling into large organizations. And they start the show by having three key takeaways. And then the rest are stories that follow about those three takeaways from their guests. And I, I love that from a listener experience. Well, and I, I mean, that's one thing I actually tweeted the other day, too, is, you know, stop with the housekeeping when you get going. We know where you can listen to podcasts. We know who you are. We know, we know, we know. Get to the meat of what you're going to talk about. Um, so anyway, appreciate you coming on the show. Trent, uh, everybody, please feel free to connect with Trent. I, I think I can say that on LinkedIn, right? Lots of content is being shared on there by him. Uh, thoughtful things and whatnot so really uh, would recommend that thanks for coming back on the show really appreciate you making yeah, the time. i appreciate you christoph cheers that's a wrap thanks for tuning in please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels and don't forget to share this episode with your networks we appreciate you until next time let the best stories win